0: Belly on Ring Macca. Australia's waiting for you.
1: Good morning. Lovely to have your company. I've been driving this week. Driving dri- driving my life away. That's the story. You'll uh, go for riding a jet ski. Jet skis this morning and dogs. Dogs everywhere, all over the place. And you give us a ring. 1300 700 222. Love to talk to you wherever you are, kids.
0: Want a hand mate?
2: Ring Macca someone will give it a go Macker, i just wanted to say how much we appreciate you highlighting the dangers of drowning in the river i've been a volunteer diver for the new south wales rescue association for 40 years and unfortunately been a part of many recoveries in our beautiful murray river and people think it'll never happen to them and the biggest contributor i've found over the years is people panic and i was interested to hear earlier someone talking about floating because it's it's so important When you're doing this diving recovery and you see the look of grief on people's faces, when they just can't believe it's their son, daughter, brother, etc., that's drowned. And, you know, when your eyeball's about four inches above the waterline and you realise how strong the current is, people think they've got to swim to the bank. They just need to focus on keeping their head up. Roll over. Roll over. You'll come to a snag, the river doesn't run dead straight, and you'll find something to hang on to.
1: Great advice. That was Pete talking about life on the Murray or any river, but anywhere, wherever you are. If you're swimming, especially in still water, just roll over. But the first thing you've got to do really before you learn to swim, I think, is to learn to float. I've been at the show. I went to the Cabargo show and of course at the show, you meet showies. I'm at the Cabargo show and every show... Cattle and sheep and all sorts of things. There's also the sideshows, which is often the main reason the kids come to the show. (laughs) Your name's Sue Brown. Sue Brown. How are you, Sue?
3: Very good. How are you?
1: Yeah, you travel a bit with this? What have you got, uh, foods? I've
3: got slushies at the moment in amusement rides, bound to the joints, down the slushies, slowing down because my old age is getting on me. (laughs) And I travel all around the countryside, go from show to show each week, done it all my life, I'm 55 years old. No, no different. Bring a smile to the public, celebrate with the children.
1: Where's home for you, Sue?
3: Home base is Sydney, but we're only there for a couple of weeks a year. Not very much at all. We're always travelling. Like I said, we travel all over New South Wales, Queensland, Victoria. That's all I know. It's like a farmer. He, He loves his farm. We love the show business. My daughter's the same. She's in with the business as well, a few games and all that. Just a lifestyle, mate. Not a living, a lifestyle all over up to Cairns and down we go and back, back around Brisbane and everything like that and then we go into New South Wales around the Dubbo Parks area and all that area condo and that then into Victoria we do around the Victoria area
1: what happened during COVID
3: through COVID oh we had to stay home a couple of years it sent us a bit silly over the time but we we pulled ourselves out of it a lot of people couldn't make it through it but they might a lot did
1: all right so nice to talk to you very well good luck have a good show
3: I hope so. Same to you. Have a lovely day. Good
1: morning, Matta. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate.
4: That's great. Uh, you got Neil, Leah and Kylie. Uh, Yeah, we're just uh, travelling around uh, in a truck. We're south out of uh, Carnarvon this morning, uh, heading to Perth. We're from Victoria. I brought a road train load of machinery out to... uh, um, Sorry, I'll get, I'll get really confused with names of towns because <laughs> I go to so many. Uh, up, up to, uh,
1: come on, Kylie, you can help me. Come on, Carly. Come on. Kaurapa,
4: Caratha, that's where yeah, we, yeah, we've got to percentage of there. We've never been up here before, um, and uh, what an amazing place. But it's funny, we left Victoria as a road train, and down there we're a big truck. We're a big, long truck. Everybody looks at it and goes, oh, how big is that truck? And then we get up here... And we're like a little midget truck. It's, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's just like a, you know, like a little rigid. Um Everything's just so big up here and, uh, and, and, and so hot. I, I take the off to the people that even work up here.
1: Yeah, I, but very exciting. A great trip for you, uh, Neil. Well,
4: we were, we were going to buy a caravan a few years ago, Macca, and we had an old truck, and uh, we decided that we'd buy a, a more modern one with a, with a couple of beds in it instead of just the one. And, uh, and 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 travel around, earning a living rather than uh, spending it uh, just just with a caravan and a car. So that's what we've done. We predominantly work around the east coast, um, but you know we we go anywhere really. And, uh, and and you get to see so much amazing country. And the sun sets up here and the sun rises. are just absolutely breathtaking.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's it's amazing. So you you work and travel, mate?
4: Work and travel, yeah. Look, you know, we're based in Bendigo, but at the same time, you know, I, I, Kylie doesn't come with me all the time. I, I go away for, you know, a month or two at a time. Um, but sometimes, if I'm away too long, I'll just fly to wherever I am and she'll come for a ride back with me. She works also in aged care, so she does a little bit, uh, a little bit of that and, and a little bit of this, so... Um, yeah, her, her employer is uh, fairly flexible um, as she's uh, 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 casual. So she's been, been working there for about 10 years now and, and uh, they've been really good and, and understand that, you know, um, the kids have all left home and this is what we do.
1: So you're mostly working right in the west at the moment, are you?
4: Well, we're in the west this week. Um, yeah, uh, we, well, we generally work over in the, in the east, but we left home uh, last Monday. Um, well, Monday just gone, um, unloaded, unloaded some Karratha on Friday. We had to have a 24-hour break. We, we like to do everything by the book. So we had a 24-hour break in Karratha. Um, jumped down to Carnarvon last night, and, um, found a nice place to have a meal and to sleep, and um, got going early to beat the heat.
1: Yeah, well, it's a great uh, great experience, and it's lovely. I love the West. I love Port Hedland. Did you get get up to Port Hedland? No.
4: We came in. We came in on the. Uh, we came into Port Hedland, but we, we turned off just before, and we were on a bit of a, a tight schedule to get to um, unload on Friday. So we, uh, yeah, unfortunately didn't go right into Port Hedland. But the uh, the quad road trains that were travelling up there, and there were so many of them, um, were just amazing. And, and the fact that everybody just gets along. It's not like in these cases. Like you know, like truck drivers used to be all sort of. I don't mean, know. We used to have a bit of a brotherhood. And, it seems to be uh, not, as, not as good as it, what it used to be, uh, unfortunately, but up here it's alive and well. And, and, and people, you know, like they help you pass. You know, obviously uh, our, our little road train's led up to 100 an hour up here and they're now at 90. So we, we, we uh, yeah, we, we, you know, had, had, had them helping us get around uh, so that we could.
1: Neil, send us a photo of your little rig, if you will, um, (laughs) when you get a minute. The email is, uh, you send it to kelly.lee, L-double-E, at abc.net.au. kelly.lee at abc.net.au. Just send us a a picture or two of you you and your rig. I've got one one of us pulled up behind the quad. And and like I say, we we, we look like a a, a tiny little rigid truck behind this thing,
4: you can (laughs) <laughs> you know, just like I say, when we left Victoria, everyone's like, oh,
1: that's long, you know, that's big. <laughs> we
4: get up here and we're tiny. So, yeah. Good on you, mate. Well, thanks, thanks for listening to us, the and We love listening to you.
1: It's a pleasure, mate. It's a pleasure. Nice to talk to you. Good on you. Good luck.
4: Cheers, mate. See
1: ya.
5: It's Brett, is it? Oh. I, I'm at Muldura at the moment. I've just, I've, uh, just finished work. I've been uh, picking grapes all night, uh, chasing the harvester. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I've got all the um, the uh, table grape uh, pickers. Uh, they are keeping me awake while I'm getting picked up to go to work. So I thought I'd give you a call. What
1: sort of uh, what sort of grapes you've been picking? Or oh, they're they're uh, mechanically yeah. picked, are they,
5: Brett? Yeah, yeah, mechanically been. Uh, I'm a what they call a bin chaser. Like the old cane fields up there. Mm-hmm. But, um,
1: yeah, and what sort of grapes? Are they table grapes or wine grapes? No, wine wine grapes? wine
5: grapes. Yeah, off the Griffith and uh, Valley and uh, Swan Hill and Jura, All the wineries. The uh, trucks pick them up.
1: Uh huh. So you yeah. and how long's the season been going for? Oh, uh, it, it,
5: it's it's just starting. It's just on and off a little bit, and um, uh, it, it really kicks off on the twenty fifth of February each year. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, there you go. All right, and what's uh, what's on your mind, Brett? Uh, uh,
5: four times a year, I travel up to um, Ipswich uh, as uh, a bit of. Um, uh, I pick up my kids and and we drive back, and uh, all the swimming holes and that uh, that I stop at along the way, like Hay, um, uh, up there near Coonabarabran. About halfway between there, there's a uh, a, a waterfall in a parking bay. And uh, yeah, uh, Narrabri, um, great, great place, at good and windy, yeah. And uh, and yeah, these, just what, doing.
1: these swimming pools, you say swimming holes, but they're they're local pools, are they? Is that what you're saying? No, they're not pools,
5: no, the boat, the boat ramp, hey, uh, uh, this other one is just an old. Uh, Park and Bay, where the trucks used to have uh, the radio uh, to each other. The north of the Falls had to give way when they went across this little bridge of the creek.
1: Yeah,
5: about halfway between Gilgandra Gandra and um, uh, Koonawarra and usually, usually set up camp there for the night and yeah, just, uh, you know, uh, trudging the Matilda all over, really. <laughs>
1: Well, that's that's a beauty, mate. That's very uh, a great thing to do. Um, you'll have to send oh, well, a... the
5: kids. The kids have got older now, and uh, you know they're they, they're they're doing really well. One one wants to be the mayor of Ipswich, and the other one's in the childcare. <laughs> but uh, the main reason I rang up was about this uh, um, this train strike they're having in Melbourne. Right. Um. Uh, uh, uh. In regional Victoria, you know, like how much it means to cancer patients that have got to um the uh get to St. Vincent's and uh, Alfred Hospital to get their treatments. So uh, uh, I, I just wonder whether they take that into consideration.
1: They probably don't, mate. Unions are a law unto themselves, it seems at the moment. But um, uh, I I don't I don't know what uh, what's going. I don't know the particulars of that. But yeah. yeah.
5: I think we need a little bit better in infrastructure. Like I've got to get a bus to get the train. That's 120 kilometres.
6: Mm.
5: <laughs> you know, and uh, I'd like to see these bullet trains that, the, that China's putting out uh, all over through Europe. And I think it's called the Old Silk Road. Yeah. But it's called the New Silk Road now.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yep.
5: Yeah, and I I look at the maps and I think, well, what's stopping them from going into Scandinavia? What's stopping them going into Europe? And you have a look at Ukraine. That's stopping them from going to uh, Scandinavia. And w- where they want to go down to uh, southern Asia, uh, it, you know, you, you've got the guards and I'm thinking no one's talking about this sort of stuff, you know.
1: No. Uh, Brett, tell me this. Yeah. How long have you been bin chasing? Oh, uh, mate, uh, uh, since 75. And and you're in your home is Ipswich, is that right? Or No, no, uh, Mildura, yeah,
5: Mildura. Yeah, when I when I was living up in Ipswich, I used to just buy the old homes, uh, sixty, seventy thousand, and um, just do them up over a two year period. In between, you know, travelling all over Australia to work. I worked over in golf fields in Kalgoorlie, and uh,
1: need need more like you, Brett. When need more like you. And what's your particular interest in cancer patients getting to – have you got cancer or friends of yours got cancer?
5: Oh, yeah, I ran around a lot with no shirt on over, over in the minefields and picking grapes in the, in the sun. Yeah, so it's mainly your skin cancer. People think it's just a little scratch that, you know, you come out of the, the doctor with. Uh, the one in the centre of back was as big as a mobile phone, so uh, – right. Yeah, you right. know, and that, that really shocks a lot of people. I, I show them is because, you know, I want the I want them to um, cover up their kids in the sun. You know how, how exactly. brutal it is. you know.
1: Keep your shirt yeah. on. The the story, Brett. Tell me how long is, is there a train strike on right now? Is it is it a strike right now? Is uh, Mo- Monday morning. Monday morning. It's starting. Is it?
5: Yeah, for V line. Oh. Um, yeah, so uh, you know, I, I've been to Melbourne and I was coming back from the Alfred Hospital and it stopped at Swanson Street Bridge when they had the tram strike. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I was in St Vincent's Hospital uh, with the gallbladder, and um, it, uh, that was the start of COVID. So yeah.
1: you look, you yeah. look after yourself, Brett. And how's oh, the, how's the harvest look? Is it looking good?
5: Oh, uh, yeah, buffer crop, mate. I, I I think the table grapes will, uh, won't get a very good price in the markets, mm-hmm. and right. most, of, most of it will go to the winery.
1: Good on you, Brett. Thanks for your call, Have mate. Have a good night, yeah. See you, mate. Bye. Hooray.
7: Hi, g'day, Maka. This is Joe. I'm out um on the Jenolan Caves Road between Oberon and Hartley
1: in southern Southern New South Wales. There you go. Yeah. Is it yeah. cool? Cool there this morning.
7: Yeah, there's a beautiful mist on the road this morning. I'm just there doing a lot of work here on the landslide, damage to this road, so I just stopped at the at the light here waiting for my turn. I run uh sheep and cattle across three locations in New South Wales, so I've just been out doing a lot of work with the cattle and sheep and heading heading to see my family for a couple of days.
1: Sounds like uh you do a lot of driving, Joe. Well, <laughs> Yeah, got to do, you
7: sort of got to do a big block of work, maybe a week or two somewhere and then drive to the next place and sort all that out. It's great though, it's sort of uh, quite a privilege to go from different altitudes, so very different weather and climate Yeah, well, places where we've got the stock. It's really interesting.
1: Oberon is a place that uh, routinely gets a little bit of snow, doesn't it? Sometimes a lot, but sometimes it always gets a little light, even even on the warmest winters, if you know what I mean. It,
7: Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, Sometimes you get a complete blanket of white. It's lovely. Get your cross-country
1: skis out and go for another ski. Oh, really? See, I sit here, Joe, and I think all these people do. And I'm, you know, you just, you live your own. (laughs) Who who said, talked about living lives of quiet desperation. (laughs) And I talk to (laughs) someone like you and he's, yeah, look, I'm just uh, stopped at the landslide and then there's a lovely mist. And, yes, I go cross-country skiing and I've got my sheep and cattle and, I think, what am I doing here, living a life of quiet desperation? <laughs> and then someone will ring up, and, and Neil rings up, uh, and he's got his uh, truck uh, up at uh, Carnarvon, and he's uh, at, you know Port Hedland, and he's telling me all about there and the sunsets. And uh, I suppose this is the second best way to travel around Australia. Is that, as my mate said in uh, m- uh, in uh, Carnarvon, he said to me one day, he says, "Oh, Maco, your program's a cheap trip round Australia." <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah, he's fantastic. Actually, one of my neighbours is a train driver over there at um, Fort Headlands. He right. drives the iron ore train. Yeah, and then he then he pops back. He pops back over near Wellington there and runs livestock. People have got a lot of energy.
1: I'll say, Joe. So you travel. This, these are your places, and this is what you do. You you. You... I run
7: the yeah I run the livestock company that like owns the livestock so yeah. I've just run black Angus cattle yeah. and I uh, sell crossbred terminal cross lambs so I breed I breed beef and lamb and I'm the food I grow food for people to eat
1: and you're a manager basically aren't you yeah yeah
7: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I run it yeah yeah
1: <laughs> and I'm how, in charge <laughs> yeah and how did you get into that Joe were you always going to do that Are you a country girl from the land or.
7: My, my family of country people, so mostly down in Tasmania, run mixed farming, cropping. Uh, I've got merinos, so it was always in the blood growing up, and uh, opportunity came up about four years ago, and I just leapt up and took it, and very pleased I did. It's a really interesting industry. I love it. There's so many problems to solve, so many great people to help you solve them, and just constantly a challenge. So I like the outdoor life as well it's really
1: great yeah and it's nice to be out early on sunday morning and uh, seeing yeah. seeing what you can see it's always different isn't it and there's always
7: yeah that... it's quiet you know still people working away working those stop go signs and you know they <laughs> got up much earlier than me probably just doing their jobs yeah, there's yeah. a lot of good people around
1: i'm always amazed on sunday morning i drive to work and uh, time was when i drove to work there's hardly any traffic around um but now it's Sunday morning, you know, this is four o'clock. Um, there's mm. lots and lots mm. of traffic, mostly going to the airport. But So Sunday uh, used to be a day of rest, but no longer. I think uh, we work seven days a week and, and the people say that the, to me that the rich people are people who've got time. They're not with a lot of money. The rich people are those who've got time. That's
7: interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's really important to block out a rest Block out a rest day or a rest somewhere in there, even if it doesn't happen to fall on a Sunday. you got to, especially if you have a really busy block, you've go, you got to sort of schedule it in and go, going to need to rest then.
1: Joe, it's great to talk to you. I'll see you in Oberon or Hartley or somewhere yeah. along the road. Yeah,
7: great. Thanks very much, Maka. Good on All you.
1: Right.
8: Bye. Good Bye.
2: Bye. Good day. My name's Tony Kerner. Uh, how are you, Mecca? Good. Thanks, Tony. Uh, we're uh, three old veterans, and we're just about to embark on a paddle down the Murray, uh, raising awareness and funds for veterans. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. I, and I wrote a wrote an email to you, and Lee got hold of me and said, "Would you like to go on the show and talk to Mac?" I said, "Yeah." we'll we'll do anything to raise awareness for the veterans.
1: And what do you tell us? Well, tell us when you start and what you're doing, and all that sort of thing.
2: Okay. Well, there's three of us. Um, this year, two of us paddle are uh, paddling the Murray in kayaks all the way from Bringham Brong Bridge to the mouth. And I'm the support person in a vehicle trying to get to them every night to give them a, a decent feed.
1: And when you say veterans, veterans of what? What particular v- theatre?
2: Primarily. And sorry? Uh, I, I, ADF veterans. I'm a veteran from Vietnam. Mm. And Ian and Ross, the two paddlers, are uh, veterans of Iraq and Afghanistan. But primarily we're raising awareness of the plight of the veterans now that are separating from the service. And also raising money for Soldier On, which is a a great charity that looks after them.
1: So how long will this trip take, Tony?
2: Well, we reckon 60 paddling days. So you had a few rest days in there, probably about 10 weeks. (laughs) (laughs)
1: And so you're you're on the you're on the road you're on the road you're not on the water.
2: I'm on the road, and we're heading to Canberra to pick up the third guy, Ross. And
4: uh,
2: we we start on Valentine's Day. I don't know why it's Valentine's Day, but that's the date we picked, the 14th of February. Uh, so we'll be starting from a place near Coryong in Victoria,
9: mm-hmm.
2: and then going down to Albury-Wodonga by about the 19th. After that, yep. Um, Wind and weather and weariness will take over, and we'll work out what what we're doing.
1: Well, it's a good idea. Uh, well, I think it's a good idea. But uh, and and you'll have a website or something like that, Tony, will you? Or...
2: Well, we've got a Facebook site. Yep. It's called Old Old Vets Stomping. Old Vets uh, Stomping. We yeah, Old Vets Stomping. We normally walk, but this year for some peculiar reason. We decided to paddle just for something for different. Yeah, along this is, we did the Heights Trail in 2022, which is 1200 kilometers.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Uh huh. Raised about $12,000.
1: How old yeah, are you, Tony?
2: Uh, I'm 77, going on 78. The other two are much younger, they're late 60s.
1: <laughs> they're just youngsters, yeah. Yeah, uh, just,
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: the... yeah. Are they with you there, are they, Tony? They're now. I can,
2: One here. Is Ian, he's here. Yeah. Hello, Mac, Ian, Get... here.
1: G'day, Ian. Tell me your story. Where are you from?
10: Uh, I'm from the Gold Coast. Mm. Uh, Only as you probably know, Sunshine Coast. And Ross is from Canberra. Mm. Uh, But we all sort of uh, worked together when we were serving. So uh, the association. uh, And um, we've decided to uh, do these walks and now a paddle, which was Ross's idea. I've got to credit Ross with this idea, good or bad. Or
1: blame him, one of the two. (laughs) (laughs)
10: Yeah. and um, we thought, well, in the process, let's try and raise some awareness of the plight of uh, young vets these days who are struggling uh, more than they need to.
1: And why are they? Tell me why they're struggling in your, uh, uh, Ian, why do you think they're struggling? What, what's happening?
10: Yeah, look, the simplest uh, reference or answer is to the uh, Royal Commission on, into uh, Defence and Veteran Suicide, which is examining uh, the reasons for all of that. But, um, you know we, we don't like the idea of any soldier sailor or aviator uh, suffering uh, as a result of his or her service. So um, we still feel uh, feel a bond and try and help them out, want to help them out.
1: Mm. And you served where uh, Ian?
10: Ah uh, well, uh, in terms of operational service uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan, then mm. uh, you know domestically all over the place and including postings overseas as well.
1: And you're doing all right. I mean, we hear a lot of stories about people who aren't doing so well, and you, 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 you well, th- you're doing all right. You think?
10: The answer to that question is it depends who you ask. Yeah. <laughs> My wife, they mm, don't know, but I think I'm all right, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think I, the three of us.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. Well, you keep in touch with us on the on the road or not on on the water. That'll be an interesting trip. It's a bit like um, my friend this morning, Neil, who who's driven from Victoria. And he's, he's got a truck with a bed in it and his wife, and they they're working in Western Australia. hasn't been there much before, and so he's got up around Carnarvon and Karatha and places like that. And he's just uh, it's boggling. Well, I think. Uh, Paddling the Murray would be a lovely thing to do, uh, just wonderful, you meet lots of wonderful people and they'll see you, it'll be a trip of a lifetime I reckon Ian.
10: Look that's certainly our experience in previous uh, uh, ventures, the people we meet, uh, the, the Australians we meet along the way are just fantastic um, and you're more than welcome to join us too Macra, if you want. <laughs> you what,
1: what for? Um, for a beer at the end of the day you mean or something like that, yeah.
10: Uh, yeah, both. Yeah, both. We've got a... to You'll fit.
1: Yeah. All right. All right. I'll I'll see. I'll bump into you sometime. You keep in touch, uh, Ian and Tony, and uh, we'll uh, yeah we'll we'll catch up somewhere along somewhere along the way.
2: Yeah. Okay. Good on you, laddie. Don't forget, old vets
1: stomping. Old vets stomping. Good on you, Tony. Thanks, mate. Thanks for your call.
4: Thanks for your lads. Bye.
1: See, bye. See you, bye. This is the All Over News. This is the All Over News. There's a small sign nearing the village of Cabago on the south coast of New South Wales which says, Cobargo, population, and I think it said something like 760 or something, but the number has been crossed out and the sign now reads, "Kabago: population, strong. And that, I suppose, exemplifies the attitude of most Aussies in many, many towns that have been ravaged by flood and bushfire and drought over an Australian lifetime, but particularly in the last 10 years or so. Cabago has dealt with bushfire and is coming out the other side, albeit slowly and like many, many places, there's a feeling we've been forgotten. This weekend, it's the Cabago Show. And as I walked around the Cobargo Showground, I realised it's all about
11: community.
0: I'm talking to Daniel Allen. President of Cavago APNH Society. And
11: you're? Paul Allen. How are you, Paul? Very well, thanks, Maker.
0: You're related? Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yes.
11: yeah, yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. 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 Paul... I've met you before. Yes, in 1998. You invited my mother in to talk on, the, on your show. She was a judge at the Sydney Royal for many, many years, judging scones. Oh, no wonder tates. I invited her in. I'm yeah, a big you, scone fan, yeah. Yeah, well, she took some in <laughs> for you too. That was a long time ago. It was good to catch up with you again. 26 years.
1: Yeah, long, long time. Do you still go to the Royal?
11: Yes, I do. Come here just as often. And
1: yeah. what are you in Southern Districts?
11: I used to. When they moved from Moore Park out to the new place, I, I gave it away. I was in Southern Districts for over 20 years.
1: Daniel how's it managing the show?
0: Yeah hard work it's it's, this show's grown significantly in the last three years so it's becoming quite a big job. Mm, It's Um,
1: a three-day show which is unusual for a small country town isn't it?
0: Yeah that's right we've only just grown to a three-day show since our program has expanded because we've needed to we're unlike other shows we've sort of we're expanding. We're getting. We're attracting a lot more people. So we've um, had to make it um, over the three days from Victoria, from Barnsdale area, all that, or the Gippsland area, from over the mountains, Kooma. Like, so it's quite a, a vast area that they um, that they come from. It's just a great, great country show. It's got everything for everyone, and it's very community minded. And we use the community and the crowd as our entertainment, and that's what people love. They love to come and watch locals making fun of themselves and 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 being the entertainment so it's it's just a great country show
1: and you've got a place here you're a farmer
0: i'm a farmer and a builder so yeah, yeah. you need to be a builder when you're a farmer don't you definitely <laughs> it's definitely, well, it a helps. Hand, helps. definitely a
1: handy skill to have paul how's cabargo recovered after the fires how long ago was that now, two, three years? Three years.
11: I, I live in Sydney, so I only see the, the periphery of when I come down. Um, I still see a lot of vacant blocks of land that, where houses have been burnt, that haven't been built on, and there's still caravans, and you know, I think there's still possibly a huge need for governments to understand disasters like the fires and the floods need a lot more input from them to get people back on their feet. If you take a look at these mountains around here, all you see is the rocks. Four years on, the trees are just still like toothpicks. There's no growth, only only rubbish that's grown through. So that whole environment that the greenies want to protect has been absolutely devastated by their management and that possible will never come back. If you go out on the road to where my brother's farm is, there's mountains behind there and all you see is rocks. Whereas five years ago, that was all covered in timber.
1: But obviously, it's the
0: resilience of ordinary people that keep communities like this going. And I think this show's a perfect example of how you just keep going on. This show's only grown since the fires, and that's a perfect example of how resilient this community is. Like To, to go through the fires and then jump back in and put an event on like Cobargo's show um, just really shows how much um, it, it pays to have a good community behind you.
11: The city people come to the show as vendors, the bag people down there, the show bag people, they they all come down and make money out of it. um, Some of these food vendors, they all come down for the weekend, they all make money out of it. It helps everybody. The work that the volunteers with Daniel and his team has put in here in the last few years has been incredible. Nothing virtual about the Camargo
1: show, Daniel?
0: No, nothing (laughs) virtual,
1: (laughs) not at all. Good on you boys, great to talk to you. Thanks, Macca. Nice to see
11: you.
0: Good to see you again. Send me
1: some scones sometime, will you? I will. <laughs> I will. No worries. Thanks, Macca. Thanks. This is the All Over News, and as I travel around, I find the great thing about Aussies is that they don't let the bastards get them down. Whilst the news is full of portents of gloom and doom, Aussies just get on with it. For example, for the next two weeks and weekends, it's dogs from all over in Bermagui. Dogs, dogs everywhere. Your name is?
12: I'm Sian Hine. I'm Secretary of the Bigger Valley Kennel and Training Club. Um, and we're running a three-day dog show, obedience trial and rally trial here in Bermagui this weekend.
1: It's, and does this happen every year, does it?
12: It does, Macca. Um, it's been, or well, this is actually our 60th year of having shows in the Beagle Valley. Probably 35 of those have been held here in Bermagui.
1: People from everywhere?
12: Yeah, we usually get exhibitors from Queensland, Victoria, New South Wales, ACT. Um, sometimes they fly over from Western Australia, Tasmania.
1: What is it with the dogs? You're, you're a dog person?
12: I am a crazy dog lady, yep.
1: What what sort of dogs do you got?
12: Um, I have Hungarian visualers. They're a gun dog. we have had them for 28 years. Slowing down in the showing, but doing other stuff with them now, having fun with them.
1: So how many people would you get here? This goes on for a couple of weeks, does it?
12: It's um, two weekends and obedience trials during the week. Mm -hmm. So um, we normally get around 400 dogs for the show and then 100 dogs each night in obedience. And just over 100 on the Wednesday and Thursday night for rally obedience. With the judging, each breed has a standard. So the judges have to know all the breed standards. And there's a hell of a lot of them. Mm. And then they pick the dog that they think is closest to the breed standard. Is and this... obviously a dog that shows itself well and loves being in the ring.
1: Has this picked up since COVID or the start of COVID? Do you think dogs and dog lovers?
12: Uh, I think dog sales during COVID went crazy sadly now people went back to work and a lot of people don't want their dogs anymore but um dog showing yeah covid really killed the dog show scene and actually yeah the bigger valley shows were one of the first ones back when everyone came out of lockdown so we had a great entry that year Mm -hmm. it was unbelievable um it's kind of dwindled off a bit now there's other shows on you know within a three hour radius from here so people kind of choose where they want to go some people follow judges so
1: see it's lovely to meet you
12: nice to meet you maca great to run into you
1: (laughs) I'm in Bermagui, and I'm talking to two lovely young ladies. Uh, your name is? Uh,
12: Valerie Hutton. And? Jenny
13: Prout.
1: And where are you from, Jenny?
13: I'm from Melbourne.
1: And you're here for uh, why?
13: Dog shows for the weekend. Six shows, two weekends in a row here at Bermagui every year. Just one of the nicest places to come and spend time on the beach, as well as dog showing.
14: What sort
1: of dogs have you got?
13: I've got Shetland Sheepdogs, mm. and we come up here
14: every year for this particular double weekend. From Melbourne? From Melbourne, yeah. Mm. And you'll find there's people from all over New South Wales, South Australia, Queensland sometimes, come down just to bring our dogs and see who's got the best dog <laughs> on the day.
1: <laughs> Somebody told me the only television shows that are working these days are things like uh, muster dogs and dog shows in general, so people Your
14: will Cruf- love it. The- and Westminster and all that sort of stuff,
13: yes, yes. Everyone loves their dogs. <laughs> <laughs> of course.
1: It's Valerie, isn't it?
13: Yes, that's correct.
1: Valerie, what do you do?
13: Um, I'm retired, but I have uh, Pembroke Corgis, Welsh Corgi Pembrokes, I should say. The Queen's Dogs. The Queen's Queen's Dogs, dogs, yes. that's correct, yes. yes. And you're a judge? I'm an all-breeds judge, yes, and I I have judged all over the world.
11: Wow, whereabouts?
13: Uh, Russia, Japan, Norway, England. (laughs) That's all over the world. Australia. That uh, was a
14: frequent and, flyer. In
13: <laughs> um, America, about 20 times.
1: And people obviously love their dogs, don't they?
13: Everyone loves their dog. Everyone takes home the best dog, but not necessarily
14: <laughs> in the judge's view on the day, but we all take home the best, best dog.
1: Jenny, when did you get involved with dogs?
14: In the 1980s. Mm-hmm. So, 40 odd years ago, I've been showing and doing obedience and rally. They do that this weekend as well, Obedience and Rally. So, so this
1: weekend it's at uh, Bermagui, it's the bigger Dog Show, and next weekend where?
14: It's here as well, and it's mm-hmm. just different club, Sapphire Coast. And during the week we've got each night is Obedience or Rally as well.
1: And I suppose there's lots of vets here too, Valerie, is there?
14: This is only the one vet here, I think. In case there's a... Well, we've yes. got paralysis tick in that here, so it's a bit. that's a bit serious. But other than that, we all look after each other and look after each other's dogs. A community, isn't it, really? It is, it is indeed.
1: Now Valerie you travel a lot with, with dogs, but do you travel a lot with your dogs too?
14: No, no. I keep I stay local. I'm not not a um, crazy flyer
13: like Val is. <laughs>
14: Thank
13: you. <laughs> and what
1: do you like about your corgis?
13: Wouldn't be without them. They're as faithful hound as any and very intelligent. They almost talk to you.
1: And your sheep dogs? What about Shetland
13: sheepdogs, mm-hmm. yes. They look like the little lassies for those that don't know. So uh,
1: do they work with sheep and somewhere where they no, came from? No.
14: No they probably could but i won't
1: (laughs) well ladies thank you very much and uh, good luck with your with your dogs this weekend okay (laughs) thank (laughs) you the whole country's gone to the dogs
4: it has it has gone to the dogs yes
13: (laughs) bye
1: now ah bermagui place of dog lovers i happened to call into the naruma hotel and there's all these people wearing t-shirts which say "Phillip island to batemans bay 2024 this is Jesse. Hello, Jesse.
12: Hello, how you going?
1: Good, what's this all about?
12: Having a bit of fun and getting out in the water.
1: And you're Kevin? Yes. Um,
10: yeah.
6: Hey, Macca, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. What yeah. are you doing? So, what we're doing is just all about mateship. About 28 or 30 of us, 16 jet skis. Yeah. And, yep, we've come from all over Australia. There's guys from as far as Yapoon, South Australia. And basically, yeah, we're just put the skis in at Phillip Island and ride to Batemans Bay over five days. So well, we that, roughly do 200 k's a day.
1: And what's it been like out there? Has the um, weather, weather been kind to you?
6: Oh, we've had some great days, but we've had a couple of terrible spots. <laughs> really terrible. Like
1: what happens? For, oh, like
6: to, oh, we had one breakdown yesterday, a ski yeah. breakdown, so we had to double back it's and like get t- him and tow him back in. But we got him back in and it's all good. But today, oh, it was great until we got to Bermagui. And from there, it was just like riding a jet ski in a washing machine. Like, I seriously thought, just, I'll throw this thing away and just swim into shore and walk
1: home, it'll be better. So, his idea was this, Jesse.
12: Oh, it wasn't mine. I'm not that dumb enough to do that. So, <laughs> I'm smart enough and I'm in the car.
1: So I assume you've got people in the car and yeah. blokes and women on the jet skis. Yeah, 16 skis in total. Two of them are
6: ladies. The rest are all blokes. And yeah, we've got the cars that follow us along, pick us up at the ramps and away we go. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, um, yeah, we've just all met through jet skiing and yeah, thought it was a great thing to do. So, what do you do, Kevin, for a living? I'm a truck driver. I drive for, i uh, mate the big, uh, the big man, the Fox. <laughs> yeah, drive for him casually. So I only work part time. And Jesse, what do you do?
3: Uh,
12: My my paying job is a wharfie, Mm. and my non-paying job is chasing cattle around all day. I live on a farm, ex-dairy farmer.
1: So wharfie, that's at Port Melbourne?
12: Uh, No, I'm in Port Kembla. So
1: there's people from all over in this? Yeah, so, yeah, there's guys. And you you met, what, online? No, no, we've just
6: met through doing other jet ski rides and stuff and become friends of friends. I've always wondered, watching
1: jet skiers, do you get seasick out there? What happens? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm all right. Like I said, I, I
12: stay on land, but uh, they might.
1: No,
6: I don't get seasick, mm-hmm. but some people do. You yeah. could, couldn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, Heaps yeah. Heaps do. The moment you stop, it's all right while you're moving. The moment you stop, yeah. they they start vomiting. <laughs>
1: they tend to be really good riders. So Phillip Island to Batemans, Batemans Bay, you're nearly there now. So yeah, we're What's nearly that tomorrow, done.
6: is it? Um, yeah, so in the morning, we'll just do it to Batemans Bay, and then, yeah. we're What gonna, happens then? All right. Basically, everyone's going home from. Well, we're not going till Saturday. We're going to come back and do a pub crawl because we should celebrate what we've done. And then uh, Saturday, um, yeah, we're all heading. Yeah. I'm always amazed what people, what Australians get up to. I <laughs>
4: know. We, we, we
6: get up to some strange things, people do. But yeah, yeah. no, look, it's good. Brings a heap of friends together. We have a great
1: time. Okay. Kevin and Jesse,
15: good on you. Nice awesome. to meet you. Thank, Thank you very much. For Thanks, back Good on you. Hello, Macker. It's uh, Bill Dewin calling from Adelaide. How are you today?
1: Good, thanks, Bill.
15: What's happening? First time, first time caller. I left about an hour and a half ago from Adelaide and I'm heading over to the west coast to a place called Cactus to go surfing for a couple of weeks. And it's such a beautiful day and a great drive. And I'm listening to you on the radio and I. Just had the need to give you a call
1: <laughs> well that 's good, I'm <laughs> glad you had the need oh, yeah, I know cactus but well i haven 't swum there oh, well I, I paddle there at cactus beach, but the surf is is off it 's a bom- is there a bombmy out there or something isn 't there? or something well look
15: there there's three breaks on the actual beach it's a it's a it 's an iconic place uh, for people who have surfed because my best years are past. I'm fortunate enough to be retired, and we have a group that meets there every year for a couple of weeks, and we just camp and and chat and talk about each other's lives and uh, enjoy the waves as best we still can. What? What about the knowers? <laughs> well, they're there, and that's about it. We try not to worry about them. That's just part of life, it's like driving a car on a road, mate. That's if what it every, happens. It happens.
1: Yeah, I know. That's what every surfer I talk to. <laughs> what was it the bloke said to me the other day? I can't remember, but something about. Um, no, not leather undertakers. That's crocodiles they'll call leather, leather under, <laughs> undertakers. But, yeah, so, well, that's a lovely thing to do, Bill. Um, and you've still got the knees for the surfing and stuff?
15: Uh, yeah, well, they're, they're hanging in there. It's a lot harder now. Um, and um, it doesn't get any easier, but it's just a passion. And uh, I think the reason people talk about the sharks, and you keep on surfing because your love for the waves, is just greater than the threat, I guess, that surrounds you. So... That's life.
1: Yeah. And Bill, what, do you, what and, uh, did you do before you retired?
15: Uh, I used to be in sales. I was in the pa- pa- industrial power tool industry and uh, I sold power tools for 25 years uh, and I managed uh, South Australia and Northern Territory for a company.
1: And so your mates meet up at Cactus, Cactus Beach. <laughs> um, That's right. And, and where are they from? Mostly from Adelaide or...?
15: Uh, no different places we probably only text each other twice a year and because after Christmas the usual annual text comes in are you, are you still able to make it when are you looking at heading over and so there's uh, from the central coast uh, Kev from Mulladulla a couple from Adelaide a couple from Lorne another guy Jacko from down on the Great Ocean Road yeah and we all try and get there roughly at the same time and Oh, we look. We just have a wonder, wonderful gathering together and there's just a, talk over our lives.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a lovely thing to do. Uh, the um, there's a big uh, week I think on in Lawn this weekend. Oh, this week actually, I think they've got the some surfboat carnival on there. Um, under twenty threes, I think under 19s <laughs> under twenty threes in Lawn. So, I was going to try and get down there, but um, uh. Too much driving. I'm doing too much driving, Billy. Well,
15: There's lots of things going on everywhere at the present time.
1: Isn't it great? Bill, nice to talk to you this morning. Have a great catch-up. Yeah, catch up. thank you. And if you've uh, you got a report from over there, let us know next week, okay?
15: Okay, mate. Thank you very much for your time. That's Have a, a pleasure. great day. Good Bye. on you,
1: Bill. Bye. Good morning and welcome. Uh, I've been to Cabago this last week. I went to saw the dogs in Bermagui. There's dogs all over the place in Birmingham. It It's lovely at the Cabago Show. Cabargo Show's on today. Lots of shows on around the place. I'll tell you a bit more about what's on around the place. But my guest this morning is Mick Pauley. Mick Pawley's a great cricketer. I used to see his name in the paper and I'd say he's got more wickets. He played for Manly in the Sydney Grade Cricket Competition. He was a, a long-time first-grade player. How many wickets did you take, Mick, uh, do you reckon?
16: 616 in first grade.
1: Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of wickets.
16: <laughs> and you were of- a left-hand... Finger
1: spinner, so you bowl leg break, sort of. Yes. Yeah. So you're an offy. We'd call an offy in the other but yeah, Correct. You're, yes. I'm, I'm with you here. Yeah. So, um, and how many years did you play
16: cricket for? Probably 20. From um, I started playing first grade when I was 17 and I stopped playing grade cricket when I was 40.
1: Mm. And, and some people, I mean, it was a Ken Hall played for Bankstown until he was 52 or something.
16: Older, I think, older.
1: Yeah, unbelievable. And there was another bloke played for Mossman who, Kenny Gulliver, Kenny
16: Gulliver, wasn't I he? I think he got nearly a thousand wickets over fifty years. <laughs> but the ball gets a lot harder as you get older, apparently. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mick, we want to talk about maths. I read this uh, letter before from Paul, and he was most amazed at when I, what I was saying about running faster. I, uh, my mate George at school, he could run. I mean, he could just move and. And everyone can run, but some people can run really fast. And everyone can probably do maths, and they can. And I did maths. So I sort of passed and stumbled over the line with maths. I was much better at other things. But um, but um, some people can just do maths. They're just... They're... Is that what you found? You're, you're a maths teacher, so you can just do it. You were just
16: immediately good at maths. Absolutely. People who are good at it want to keep doing it, but the building blocks aren't there in primary school. And people who fail exactly. maths at that level... Fail it for the rest of their school days, yeah, so they'd be better off if they didn't have to do it, and now they don't have to do it all the time. but a couple of things have happened: teaching maths and science is not a profession of choice anymore. A couple of schools local to me don't even have a science teacher there, their high school state no, I, high schools. I, um,
1: I talked to a young girl, and I said, what do you, uh, she said, oh, "I do physics, but I don't do chemistry, or well, she did chemistry, but we don't do physics and and we don't do maths and I thought, huh." What's going
16: on there? That's ridiculous. They don't have to. And as you said, I've got a shop, so I could get a student with a 90 ATAR and they'd get a product and i say, take 10% off of the till, please. And they can't do 10% off. And this is absolutely <laughs> truthful. I've got people who are moving into professions mm. from their um, school days at university and they cannot do anything to do with numbers. Numeracy is not a skill that many people think is interesting or necessary anymore. Mm. They've got their calculator. They've yeah, got their exactly. Phone. See
1: I can I was I was okay at arithmetic and I was good at maths too because I came first in third year or something got 94 for maths too. but algebra just left me cold I just and and you talk about the building blocks that's what I didn't understand about algebra and then I went to uni and did pure and applied maths at University of New South Wales and I was just you know forget it it was just all sets and rings and stuff and my economics teacher used to say you 've got to know the jargon, and it 's the same with maths, I suppose if you don 't know the jargons about integers and you don 't grow up talking about integers and sets and rings, and now they 're doing all sorts of stuff so you re- that's that 's what i 've thought about it before, and i think well that 's what happened it 's primary school where you learn those sort of things and and you, and you go to a, you go to the races and you see a bookie, and you know especially in the old days, and they They've just got numbers coming out their ears. They're just, they're, just, they're just numbers all the time, 9 to 4 and 6 to 4. You know, all the, just, they just live it, don't they?
16: Well, some people have that part of the brain that connects with mathematics, but not everyone does. Mm. But a vast majority of our society today have got no numeracy skills at all.
1: Mm. And, and, and yet mathematics is the building block of the whole joint You know, bridges and engineering and all that sort of stuff It's all about mathematics, isn't it? Area around a, a parabola and all that sort of stuff And that's algebra And yeah, I'm sure you could learn it But you need to, it needs to be skilled into you when you're in primary school Well,
16: it's the technology, isn't it? Because mm. that's taken the place of at the actual knowledge
1: now, did uh, tell me about school. Did people hate you because you were the math teacher? Because or... it's a bit like the dentist. I, I mean, Paul, Paul, Paul here, you know, I've sort of offended him. I didn't want to because, I, I, you know, I did maths and I passed. And, and and the other thing about it was you find it difficult, especially algebra, but I think it's good to do things that are difficult that you, you can't really, you know. It's like playing the guitar, you know. You, you watch Tommy Emmanuel play the guitar and you think, oh, my God. But you know, and so you struggle away, but it's good to struggle at anything, I think you know
16: well, I lasted 14 years as a maths teacher in secondary schools, mm. and I'm glad that I left it because today very few people are happy in the job, it's overregulated, mm. and we've got that problem where people who are no good at maths are still no good at maths at the end of it
1: mm. and 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 that's a shame too, because, as you say, I can't believe that ten percent of nineteen $90 dollars is. True story. I know that one. That's a dollar ninety. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But yeah. Well, you. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 sort of sad in a lot of ways. And and a lady rang up once um, and said, you know, Ian, uh, I did maths at school, but I've never. When I left school, I said I'm never going to use that again, and and I didn't. But um, yeah, I think. Maybe it's to do with the fact that when you do biology and not that I did it but you can go on excursions and learn about mollusks and things in the seashore and and maybe we should go to buildings or something and get people talking about how mathematical things of you know, course. In, in 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 impact on your know, building of your house or, you know, all the sorts of things that maths can be used for and or go to the races for God's sake, you know, and, and talk to a boogie.
16: Well, when you were at school, everyone did the same subjects. Mm. You did maths and you did all the science subjects. Don't have to do any of those things now. Mm. Maybe that's a good thing.
1: Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Others will, there'll be a lot of disagreement about that. Now, was yours a boys' school or a co ed?
16: I taught at um, Matraville High School, which was co ed, where the Ella brothers and Russell El- Fairfax were at school. And yeah. then I taught at um, St. Aloysius. And then I taught at um, North Sydney Technical College for three years. Mm. And, and, and now I teach at um, Happy Days Cambodian Village School when I go there and teach oh, do you really? And that's the best thing I've ever done in education. Yeah, why? Tell because me. Because we sing. We use all these Australian songs, like that Neil Diamond song or, or um, they sing it all the grounds now, Sweet Caroline. Sweet Caroline, yeah. All ABBA songs and the students sing it and that's the way they learn English and oh. it's just so enjoyable. Everyone is happy. Oh. Every class is happy. People come out of the room and you can feel the exhilaration in it. Never got that out of a maths class.
1: Uh, What was your best time in cricket, do you think? What was your best? uh... Uh,
16: 1975, the year that I captained Manley's first grade premiership. Mm. I got 56 wickets, an average of 8.5. I don't think too many people have done um, that right through great history. But, of course, few of the first class cricketers play any grade cricket at all now. So yeah. those sort of statistics
1: have become but, irrelevant, and it's a no-brainer, isn't it? The lady rang up and she said, "Ian, my son's playing uh, for, against St Kilda today, and, and Shane Warns playing. So exciting for him! This is the first grade match when, when Shane had his dietary problems and he was coming making a comeback, so he's playing for St Kilda that day. And and I think you know, and, and Tubby Taylor, you know, who learnt to play catch. Uh, slips. He was standing next to Neil Marks, apparently, in the slips, and you just learn those things. And yes. and you know, and the young Jason here you're talking to, he played first go but he never played. But you know, in in days gone by, there'd be Dougie Wallace in his team at Cumberland, and you know Richie and John Benno and and uh, uh, Matthews and all those people. You know, you you just learn stuff being around. But look, there's a call and I've got to take. Uh, G'day, this is Maka.
8: Yes, hello, Macker. It's uh, Amanda Austin here, principal at Bowen Junction Primary School. Hi, Amanda. I love hearing about yeah. Hi, I love hearing about the great work in Cambodia at that um the, the school. That sounds like amazing work. Say good day, Mick. Uh, Good morning, how are you? Yeah, good morning and uh, yes, it really sounds like a wonderful project that you've got going there
16: and and for quite a long time by the sounds of it. Well then, the next time you go on a holiday to Southeast Asia, you (laughs) must visit my school because it is inspiring and it changes lives, not just the students, but all the people who visit there. Yeah, no, the
8: NGOs do great work in uh, those countries. Yes. It's wonderful. And Leah, uh, on the math debate, maca, we have um, 38 students that love maths at Burren Junction, <laughs> and we have and we have <laughs> do, do they get lollies
1: <laughs> or something? Do they as well? No, go on.
8: <laughs> well, this week they got uh, Chinese New Year lucky envelopes to uh, spend a little bit of cash at the Friday tuck shop, so they're very excited about that.
1: Right, and and why do they love maths so much, Amanda?
8: Well, I think, well, we've got some amazing resources. We've got great teachers. But we also, because we're rural and remote, uh, like last year, the University of New South Wales sent about 10 of their best uni students, the uh, Engineers Without Borders, and they go around to um, schools out west and they spend a whole day doing amazing STEM projects, you know, the science, tech, engineering and maths. And I tell you what, we have a few engineers and mathematicians of the future going to our school. And uh, we've got a a beautiful fresh batch of kindergartens that just started this week and they've just settled in beautifully. But I heard on the grapevine we've got um, our seven year sixes that left at the end of last year and they're at boarding school and a few of them are homesick. So I just wanted to send a shout out to uh, Frank, Matilda, Emmy, Harry, Harry, Brock and Kitty and just wish them all the best. And uh, I know they'll, they've all got amazing bright futures, but uh, it is hard to leave your property in your small small town of Burren Junction. And you know they've gone to the Gold Coast and Tamworth and the Snowy Mountains and Sydney. They're all over the place, and it's not easy for them. So uh, our hearts, our hearts and best wishes go out to them.
1: You're a champion, man. Listen, I'll come out to Burren Junction sometime this year when I'm in, when I know I'm going that way, and I'll come and say day. And, and have a
8: soak in the bore, Macca. Yeah,
1: I can do that and, and I can give a, a maths lesson too. Um.
8: Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> We'd love that. We love visitors.
1: Yeah, all right. yeah, I'll bring Mick with me. I'll bring Mick. <laughs>
8: yes, please.
1: Yeah, we'll have a cricket yeah. game as well. Sounds, sounds yeah. lovely, doesn't it? Amanda. Thank you very much. Are you warm in Byron Junction this uh, summer?
8: Uh, it's been humid, which has been crazy out here. Yeah. So everyone's complaining about this crazy humidity, but yeah, 35 today, not too bad.
1: Mm. Lovely to talk to you, Amanda.
16: Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you, Amanda. That point you make about loving visitors in remote areas, schools do love visitors. We don't welcome them in the metropolitan area. We've got fences around everything, but you can go into these schools and just walk in out of the bushes and and be a part of it as long as you've got your your qualifications behind you. Yeah, that's a really important point.
8: Yeah, it's just a, the most gorgeous little school and it's a beautiful town and community.
16: We'll see
1: you, Amanda. Good on you.
8: Thank you very much, Macca. I look forward to your visit.
1: Yeah, We'll be there. We'll be there as a promise. See ya.
9: Oh, day, Macca. It's Jenny calling from, well, I'm on the freeway between Warrigal and Torquay at the moment. G'day, And Jen. I'm not driving.
1: All right. <laughs> Good on you. Nice to talk to you.
9: This must be the most Aussie show on radio. It's such a pleasure to hear you.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. That's good. It was a pleasure to hear the people who are, who are on the program, Jen. That's what this, yeah. the story is. Yeah. Go on. What's, uh, what's on your mind, Jenny?
9: Um, well, I rang in because of the guys who were talking about the, um, the veterans coming back from the wars and the young fellas being in trouble. I do this work with horses that is just amazing. Um, When people are within 50 metres of a relaxed horse, their blood pressure drops, their breathing slows down, their heart rate starts evening out, and it's all the physiological symptoms of meditation just simply by being within the 50 metres of a relaxed horse. They've got this enormous heart field. And what it does is it makes it possible for... Um, anybody who's got PTSD, um, including veterans and um, a heap of women who have PTSD in different kind of ways, but it makes it possible for them to um, cut through the overwhelm and actually get to the bottom of their PTSD. It's just, horses are the most amazing creatures.
1: Just you're, the most
3: amazing creatures. Well,
1: animals too. I'm, I'm sure you're right with horses, but they say that about dogs and things like that. It's, there's something humanising about uh, dogs, and especially horses. I know what you feel. I don't, I'm i not around horses a lot, but as soon as you get in their in their field, as you say, um, there's something calming about They look at you and they're quiet, and they just yeah, horses' eyes are just a beautiful thing, Jen.
9: <laughs> yeah, they sure are. So, the, um, you know, anybody who's got PTSD or depression or anxiety or stuff like that should look around. There's, you know, it's become a thing these days. There's a lot of people out there working with horses to um, bring this beautiful work that just helps people find their inner peace.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so well Jen that's a, I don't know how people the other thing is how do people get around uh horses I mean I know there's places but um it seems like you know all it'd be good for all of us not just with PS, PTSD but and blood pressure everybody seems to have blood pressure problems so it'd be good oh, for all, absolutely. all All of us to get uh especially in the world we live in now. <clears throat> there's so many stress, <laughs> stressful things everywhere and you read the papers and that's very stressful and people think the world's going to end and all that sort of stuff because of climate change or world war or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and that can't anxiety's be Anxiety
9: is kind of, anxiety is kind of become a thing,
1: hasn't it? Yeah, it, ha- it has. So, um, well, next time I'm, I see a horse, I'm going to try and pat it. But a uh, calm horse. <laughs> yeah, ca- 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 calm horses.
9: So, so I teach all over the world. Mm. Um, I teach all over the world by internet, mm. um, and I teach people with their own horses how to find that place of inner peace with them. And but if anybody looks up healing and horses,
1: mm.
9: you know, for places in their local area, where um, where people are, are specialising in super relaxed, super happy horses that can, you know, help people get to the bottom of They're
1: emotional crap. Yeah, and when you're around a horse and there's some horsemanure around, and it's very real. It's not. It's not virtual at all. All you can smell the horse, and you can hear him snort, and you can feel his breath, and that's. They're really important things. It's like pulling a weed out, or whatever you. You know, it's just those sort of things. Uh, I think they're more important than ever. You know, we keep saying that, but you know. People need to learn those those sort of things. That that's the real world is the thing that'll you know that'll help you along. I think
9: the, the words you just said, you know, that you can um, smell their smell and feel their breath,
1: and tread in their horse manure, yeah.
9: And treading their horse manure, and and the smell of the horse manure—I love the
1: smell of horse manure. I must be crazy. <laughs> no, it's well, it's just different and it's new, and, and and causes you to think. You know, causes you to think. You get involved in your own little world, and then all of a sudden, you're treading horse manure, or you can smell it, or yeah, you know, I love the when a horse breathes and you and you can feel the hot breath on your hand, and you look in their eyes. Oh, I love it, Jenny. Thanks for your call this morning. Keep in touch, eh?
9: You're welcome. Have
1: a wonderful day. Nice to talk to you. Good on you. Bye. Bye.
14: You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.